Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Irish on Tap, a podcast about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish presented to you by the ONTAP Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on Twitter at BDON300. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Brian Mishler and Ethan Wiles. We're going to break down the Georgia Tech game. Boy, do we have a lot to talk about leading up to next Saturday's matchup going against Clemson. Let me check in with my co-hosts, see where they're at, how they're doing, and then we'll get right into it. I'm doing good. Another Irish victory. The offense didn't look too great, but the defense is carrying this team. One of the best defenses in college football, as far as I'm concerned. And it's it's Clemson week, so it's a good it's a good week to be an Irish fan. Absolutely, I'm good as well. It's another win for Notre Dame. Another game that we got better at. I think that the offense, like Brian said, could have been better. But like you said, Brandon, it's going to be an interesting week with Clemson. A lot happened yesterday, right before the Irish win. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, and at the end of the day, a win is a win. 18 points on the road against Georgia Tech. The defense only gave up one touchdown again. I mean, I'm not going to count a scoop and score against our defense ever, which should never be counted against uh, points per game, but it is what it is. Uh, At the end of the day, though, like like Ethan said and like Brian said, I mean, this game I think kind of came down to once once the Trevor Lawrence news came out, it kind of just came down to survive and advance. Let's just find a way to win this football game. We don't need to do anything flashy. Let's make sure everyone gets out of this game healthy. Let's make sure we don't get any late targeting calls a la Clemson yesterday. And let's just be prepared to play Clemson next week. The biggest matchup of our season, I saw on ESPN yesterday, that is the number one game on the entire college football schedule with college football playoff implications. So we'll we'll give Clemson their bit right now, and then we'll get into the Georgia Tech game, and then we'll throw a little bit of Clemson back at the end. But how do you guys feel overall going into this matchup? I mean, I like we've stated, I think the offense was a little bit vanilla. They didn't really throw it at deep as much as I, I would have hoped. I mean, their book is generating some timing with his wideout still, which is good because they've still got a lot of new faces. I mean, they lost a lot from pass catching with Komet and Claypool, but developing that timing is big. I honestly liked what I saw from book. I mean, at this point, we like we've stated, we know what we're going to get out of him. I really like his ability to extend plays and keep his eyes downfield. I think in prior seasons, he's always been good with his feet. But he normally, when he evades the pocket in prior seasons, he didn't really keep his eyes downfield. And I've noticed that he's made it a point to do that on every single time he escapes the pocket. He's not just tucking and running. He's looking at receivers downfield. And I think that's big. It, at one of the plays to Javon McKinley, people are, was like a 50-yard play that was a broken play that book extended out of the pocket. McKinley broke on his route. He got it to McKinley, and McKinley ran for about 30, 40 yards. And a lot of people are saying, like, oh, that's not really on Book's throwing ability because I saw one PFF writer state that quarterback's Notre Dame's biggest weakness because most of Book's passing yards are yak yards from the wideouts. But my counter to that is most of those plays that end up – broken plays that end up with big yak yards, like with McKinley – are because of Book's ability to extend plays outside of the pocket. So I think that's the biggest um, competitive advantage for this offense going to against Clemson. Book needs to extend plays outside of the pocket, and that's how this passing game is going to have success against Clemson. And I really liked liked what I saw in that regard against Georgia Tech. No, I agree. I think that's one thing that he's really worked on and improved on as well. And there was times yesterday where I think that that was really shown. I think this was the biggest game that he really used his feet more and. I thought he did pretty well at that. I think 
one thing that will help Notre Dame going into this week, and I touched on it before too, is just how well they controlled the clock yesterday. Obviously, they didn't have the points that I thought we should have with as amount of time of possession as we did. But if Notre Dame is able to manage the clock, run the ball down the field, 12, 13 play drives like they did that first drive of the game, I don't think there's a way Clemson beats this defense. I think that if you're able to, like I said, take six minutes off the clock each drive and put up 14 points and you win 14 to three, 14 to seven, whatever, a win's a win at the end of the day. Yeah, and my thing, like like you guys both stated, like Notre Dame, they had a drive to start the game yesterday. First, you know, first score drive, uh, seven or eight minutes, I believe it was. Those are the type of championship drives that you need to beat Clemson. And then also to Brian's point, Ian Book, like, regardless of what's going on in the pocket, if it breaks down, he doesn't see ghosts anymore. He's not freaking out. Like, he has so much more poise and the ability to go and find a Javon McKinley streaking down the sideline who almost had another 100-yard game. Between him and Skoranek, we're going to need the games of their lives next week if they decide that they want to go through, you know, through the air. But from what I saw in the game yesterday against uh, Clemson and Boston College, their run defense can definitely be had. Clemson gave up 28 first-half points. Like, if Notre Dame can somehow find a way to just fine-tune that offense to maybe give us, say, 17 or 21 in the first half and let's jump out to an early lead, I'm not afraid of this Clemson team, especially with the absence of Trevor Lawrence. But let's get into this game. I mean, the defense, again— they gave up six points. The one touchdown early in the first half was kind of a crazy play, a scoop and score. The ball was, it looked very slippery. It ended up in a DB's hands. He took it to the house for six. But again, the defense came to play. Georgia Tech has a mobile quarterback. That's what we're going to expect to see next week with uh, DJ Eula Galele. I definitely butched that, but I'm trying. We'll, we'll get it right by the preview episode. But Sims, as we talked about coming into the preview podcast, he was going to want to run the football. He ran the football 12 times, only had two yards. As a team, we held Georgia Tech, uh, Georgia Tech to 88 yards on the ground. So great performance again from this defense. Yeah, I believe they're top 15 in the country in both passing yards and rushing yards allowed per game. I mean, and they're like top five in the country at third down conversion and getting off the field on third down. So this defense doesn't really have a weakness. Going into this game, I thought it maybe was rushing the QB or a pass rush against the QB, but I believe Notre Dame had like four or five sacks yesterday. So, I mean, that I can't you can't really call that a weakness when they're getting to the quarterback at that high of a pace. So, I mean, I don't think this defense has a weakness. It's the fa- I tweeted this yesterday. It's the fastest Notre Dame defense I've ever seen, and Notre Dame's had some damn good defenses in the last four or five years. I mean, Wusikaramar is basically, in my eyes, an, a little bit of an undersized Jalen Smith. Like, he's not as big but he's just as explosive, and he is all over the field. Same with Kyle Hamilton. He covers just as much ground, more or more ground than any safety I've ever seen in an Irish uniform, even Harrison Smith, who's been in the NFL for, what, 10 years now? That, that, that two-point conversion stop was nuts. Yeah, I mean, Kyle Hamilton is just all over the field. And you have two guys, Wusa Karamara and Kyle Hamilton, who I believe are going to have long careers in the, in the NFL and be first-round picks or early to mid-second-round picks. And Nick McLeod, you got Sean Crawford, you got Tariq Gracie, you got some fast guys in the backfield that can jump routes. And this linebacking crew is no joke as well. You got Drew Wright, you got Bo Bauer, you got a lot of Jack Lemmy, you got a lot of guys. Maurice LaFau had a targeting penalty. He's going to be out the first half against Clemson. I mean, I wouldn't 
that's a loss, but not a huge loss because that position, Buck's kind of been a revolving door all year. So Notre Dame will be fine without him. But this defensive line, Dalen Hayes, had a, was all over the field, and he is a big well, – he's a grown man. So, I mean, this defense isn't going to be intimidated whatsoever, even with Trevor Lawrence, by this Clemson offense. And I believe Notre Dame can beat anybody in the country with this defense. And, I mean, that that's the whole reason why Notre Dame has a chance on Saturday is because of this defense. Yeah, and Dalen actually got uh, game ball, but go ahead, E. I think that going into this matchup, your key matchup now is Travis Etienne. And holding an offense like Georgia Tech that primarily runs the ball to 88 rushing yards is a good sign going into that matchup. Obviously, uh, Uagalele is a good quarterback, you know, re- recruited to go to Clemson, obviously, to you know be the quarterback. So you're, it's not the same as Trevor Lawrence, but now you're, you're, your eyes shift to Travis Etienne and, and where the run game goes with that. And like Brian said, this defense is just so talented and up front. I don't think they're going to run the ball on Notre Dame. I mean, they're, I don't see them doing what they've done to other teams on the ground to Notre Dame this weekend. So 88 yards against Georgia Tech's obviously good. Weird to see them not run the triple option. I know they just uh, changed that recently, but weird to see them not run it. Either way, this defense is unstoppable. Nick McLeod was a guy that was all over the field, too. I know I picked him two weeks ago. Brandon, I believe you had picked him last week, but he is just balling out every week. I did, yeah. He had a very good game last week. And going into this matchup, Ethan, I think you brought up the number one name. That is the guy that is circled in every film room right now. And I think the biggest matchup this weekend is Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa covering Travis Etienne out of the backfield, okay? And is going to get his one way or another. He's very similar to Alvin Kamara. They run their whole offense through Travis Etienne. He's probably one of the fastest running backs in all of college football, and he's going to be a first-round pick. He's an absolute stud. He's been playing since, I believe, his freshman year. Like I, There will be old Clemson games on from like 2018, and he'll still be doing what he's doing now. And I think the X factor on this entire matchup is our ability to to have him covered out of the backfield from a guy like Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa. I think that's a matchup that no matter what the play is, what the scheme is, you stick him on him man-to-man. There is no zone covering Travis Etienne. You don't give him any space, and you have to make – I'm going to try it again. DJ, Ethan, say it with with me, bro. I can't get it right. Help me out. Uagalele. DJ Uagalele. I I just – I did not see – what we see from Trevor Lawrence. And I think ultimately Brian brought this up. This is going to be a straight slobber knocker. This is going to be like a a game that's won maybe in the 20s. I don't really see either team getting to 30 in this game on Saturday. Yeah, and going to your point about um, Notre Dame's ability that they have to um, contain Travis Etienne out of the backfield, if there's one linebacker in the entire country that you want matched up with covering Etienne out of the backfield, it is Jeremiah Rusakarmar. He's probably the most explosive, or he is the most explosive linebacker in the country. He's just a little undersized. That's why he's probably going to be a mid to late um, first round pick and won't be up in the top five, top 10 like Jalen Smith would have been if he didn't get hurt. But I mean, he's as explosive as it gets. And I mean, yes, I agree with you. Get covering, I don't think they're going to have, a, Notre Dame's going to have a huge issue on the ground against ETM. Obviously, he's going to get some yards because he's probably the best running back in the country. But I think. I totally agree with your point about covering ETN out of the backfield. That will be massive. And I think Notre Dame 
Notre Dame does have the ability to contain him out of the backfield because you got an explosive, you got explosive linebackers. These Notre Dame linebackers, albeit a little undersized, are not slow at all. They are very, very quick and fast, and they get to the ball fast. And obviously, with Kyle Hamilton, he covers a lot of ground. So I don't like. I agree with you. This is going to be like a twenty to seventeen game, and honestly, it needs to be if Notre Dame wants to win. This defense has to hold this Clemson offense below mid twenties because I don't think Notre Dame, this Notre Dame offense, has the ability to score in the 30s against that Clemson defense. Yeah, there was two things I noticed in the broadcast yesterday. Number one, the fact that Georgia Tech plays absolute bangers in their stadium. Number two, the amount of times <laughs> Mike Golick said we're going to see them on Sunday from this yeah. Notre Dame defense. Kyle Hamilton, Jeremiah Wosukormoa, Dalen Hayes, all those guys. The amount of times that you heard them say we're going to see them on Sundays, it was just a drinking game at that point. Yeah, and one thing I want to say on the topic of the defense, uh, I had the stat in front of me, but the defense is fourth in the nation in points per game. They give up 10.3 points per game. And I'm going to be honest, the rest of the teams on this list have not played near the amount of games as Notre Dame, with the exception of, I believe, Marshall. But they have San Diego State at 6-5. I think they've played twice. Wisconsin at 7. They played, obviously, once. Marshall at 9-4 at third. And I believe they've played five, maybe six games at this point. I know they got postponed yesterday. We're at fourth at 10.3, and my brother, uh, John, will love this, uh, Northwestern at five, at 11.5 points per game. So this is a full body of work defense. This isn't just, a, you know, we pop out and play one good game on Saturday. This is continuous. This is Georgia Tech held the ball for 23 minutes this game. Like, when you only have the ball for 23 minutes, I think they were able to get off. So it says they got off about 26 pass attempts. They finished with 238 total yards. We have to absolutely control the clock throughout the rest of our schedule because if you look at the way this Notre Dame team plays, you got to play to your strengths. And, I mean, six weeks throughout the season, we have seen some great things from some of our receivers. But at the end of the day, this just isn't that team where you're going to get 45 points a week or you're going to get super high-scoring games. You're going to get those stress games. You're going to get the games that add gray hairs on your head. Your forehead veins are popping, all that. But – as Notre Dame fans, we are in that situation that we talked about at the beginning of this season. They're taking care of the teams that they should with relative ease. I wouldn't say the amount of style points that they they really desire for, but an 18-point victory, 21, whatever it is here and there, they're still improving week in and week out. And I honestly could not feel more comfortable, even though we all kind of picked Notre Dame to absolutely dismantle Georgia Tech. I think we talked about it off air it's just I think once Notre Dame kind of found out that Trevor Lawrence was unavailable for next week and probably just kind of has seen the way that they've been playing this year they were just in survive and advance mode let's win this game and let's get to next week yeah I mean that Notre Dame's kind of established an identity what Bama I mean obviously I'm not comparing Notre Dame to Bama but that they're like what Bama was like six or so years ago with like A.J. McCarron at QB when they just had nasty defenses, didn't give up more than two touchdowns every game, and McCarron just managed the game. They didn't score a lot of points, but they did what they needed to do to win because they knew that defense wasn't going to give up points. And that's what Notre Dame is right now. They don't have a highly prolific offense. I do believe they have a very talented backfield and obviously an, uh, an elite run-blocking offensive line, but they don't – I mean – 
I don't think they have really any NFL guys on the outside. I mean, it's I mean it's a little early to say on some of their wideouts, but I don't really think any of them will be playing on Sundays like they did last year. They had, I mean, Michael Mayer, obviously, he's, he's probably going to be a high draft pick at some point. But at the receiver position, I don't think they have NFL talent. That's just not who they are. Ian Book might be drafted. I don't think he'll be more than a backup QB in the NFL just because he doesn't really have the arm strength. But that's just who they are offensively, just going to manage the game. Ian Book does not commit turnovers. They said on the broadcast yesterday that he's had, I believe, like 42 touchdowns and only like seven picks. I mean, he doesn't turn the ball over. And if Ian Book did, he wouldn't be a starting QB quarterback at Notre Dame. That's who he is. He doesn't make mistakes. He extends plays with his feet. I believe that's his ability to make plays outside of the pocket. I talked about this earlier is the most underappreciated aspect of his game. And I don't really understand why he's, I think the second most rushing yards of any QB in Notre Dame history. And nobody talks about it. I mean, nobody talks about how his escapability and how good he is at it. It reminds me of Russell Wilson in the NFL. Obviously he's not as good as Russell Wilson, but he has a similar type of skill set. In fact, Ian Book does not take sacks. He just, He's slippery, bro. That was yeah. the perfect analogy. I, almost, I dare I say, I was going to say Aaron Rodgers because I'm, he's obviously not as good as Aaron Rodgers, but yeah. just like that quarterback that can just is like a, a slithering in the, in the pocket, like just somehow slides out of every sack. And like yeah. you said, Brian, too, he he either had, now he's he's added that to his game where he can find those receivers. He can find a streaking Ben Skoranek or a streaking Javon McKinley, where in years past he would just, I mean, last year, I remember on this podcast, we were talking about Ian Book, please just run out of bounds, bro. Because his ass was out there playing like Tim Tebow. Yeah, nobody really talks about it. And he's just really slippery and elusive in that pocket. He's got really good body control. And he's added that that to his game. He used to just tuck it and run. Now he's looking downfield. And it sucks because they don't have Claypool. I think if he would have been like this last year, Claypool would have had a lot more receiving yards because Book is keeping his eyes downfield more. But I don't know, understand why people don't talk about that with Ian Book. A lot of a lot of slanders going on the timeline about him hindering this offense. I mean, I don't get it. We we've seen this from Ian Book the last two and a half years. We know who he is. He's not going to be Trevor Lawrence, but I think he's underappreciated. I just the only thing I'm going to take away from this game, and I think we touched on it earlier, was just the 36 minutes of time of possession. If you can hold the ball for that long and you're able to capitalize on those long drives and put points on the board, at the end of the day, this defense will stop Clemson and Notre Dame's going to win this football game. Absolutely. And one thing I really want to talk about, and not in really a slanderous way, but something that I should, I think should be brought up is Kyron Williams has got to hold on to the football, especially this week. There is a lot of tape of him fumbling footballs this season, regardless of how great of a season he's had in this week where turnovers are going to be huge momentum shifters in this game we have to make sure that our running backs and especially Kyron Williams who's going to get a big load in this game expect Kyron Williams to get 25 maybe maybe not 25 20 to 25 carries we have to make sure it's a clean game from his standpoint because similar to how they use ETN we use Kyron Williams and he may not be at the level that ETN is right now but he has been for us. And, and if we can depend on that running game and, and build off of that going into next week, like just start with, with getting Clemson players coming down in the box and then Ian Book takes his shot, I really do like our chances of this offense picking away at that Clemson defense. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Notre Dame has that identity of giving it, handing it off to Kyron Williams about 20 times a game. I do believe this is probably the fastest Notre Dame tandem backfield they've had 
in a very long time. Like I actually tweeted about that yesterday and somebody responded with, I was like, when's the last time Notre Dame's had a tandem in the backfield with this much speed? And somebody responded with Josh Adams and TJ Prosize. I would I would say that was a good backfield in 2015 with both of them, but I don't think they're as fast as these two. I I think Chris Tyree, like Kyron Williams is fast, but it's noticeable. Like Chris Tyree and Kyron Williams look alike. They're about the same height and have a very similar number. It's like mid-20s, so I always get confused when which one's running the damn ball. But when Chris Tyree has the ball, it's a little bit obvious to me as more as more games are played because he just possesses that different gear. And I, and that's not an indictment on Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams is very fast, but Chris Tyree has that ability to just go into a different gear. And it, it's, I, I think he's going to end up being one of the better Notre Dame, Notre Dame running backs when it's all said and done. And I think he has a potential to be playing on Sundays just because he has that different gear that Notre Dame hasn't had in their backfield in quite some time. He needs, to, he needs to be in the passing game. I don't know why he isn't. Maybe he has horrible hands. We obviously aren't watching practices, but, I mean, you you get him in the passing game and he gets some room to run. I mean, he's just gone. I don't know why they, they're not utilizing more in the passing game, but who knows? What do I know? I think the one thing that needs to be talked about before we even start talking about the run game is the experienced offensive line that we have. And a game of this magnitude on Saturday, like, the run game doesn't be successful without those guys. And I think it's well like 139 consecutive starts or something like that with those guys so it's a crazy amount and to think that our offensive line has that veteran leadership and the capability to win games they have what the longest win streak in college football too so it all starts with them up front if they want to run the ball Saturday against Clemson it needs to it needs to be the best performance of their lives and it starts up front on both sides of the ball but I mean just the way that We've kind of picked our way through this schedule, the way that they won this game. It it was, like Brian said, I think it's just kind of, it's really like a relief to see that we found our identity. Because that's what we were most worried about, you know, as a podcast, just covering this team, being fans of this team, was they were winning games early in the season, but they didn't have an identity. And the Louisville game was like kind of the peak of that. And I think after that game, they really have just – found their way on offense. The defense has been there all year, all year last year. And I just, honestly, I am very caught. I'm not even cautiously optimistic. I am very optimistic with this team moving forward. And honestly, I like that the national media and most of the regular media is still discounting us and thinking that there is zero shot that they can go out there and win on Saturday or run the table and get to the college football playoffs. So I really just like the position where this team is at. I like the players on the team. They, they're they a very chip-on-your-shoulder bunch. They know they're going to get disrespected all year. They have gone week in and week out and just continued to get better. But moving, you know, moving forward, I just feel like the offense controls the keys to the destiny of this team. No matter what, the defense is going to do its part. It really rests on our guy, Ian Book, and – this could be is I, I want to ask you guys this. Is this the biggest game of Ian Book's career? I know he's played in the college football playoff. He's played in a, a plethora of other high high state games, bowl games. But do you guys think this is the most important game of his career up to this point? It is, and I don't think it's particularly close because this could be the last chance he gets to change the narrative surrounding his name. And that is a guy that beats teams that he should beat but can't doesn't perform on the big stage and can't like get Notre Dame over the top because if Clem- if Notre Dame loses with- to a Clemson team 
without Trevor Lawrence, it just perpetuates the the narrative that they can't, they still can't get over the, the the hump, so to speak. And a lot of people blame Ian Book for that because he's not like an NFL type quarterback, so to speak. So I do think it's the biggest um, game of his career. And if they lose to Clemson, like maybe they they might not. They, there's no guarantee that they get to the AC title and get a second chance. So easily the biggest game of his career. I couldn't agree more. I think, obviously, you lost to Clemson once in that college football playoff game. I mean, this might as well be a playoff game at this point. The, with the way the implications are and the way things have to play out for Notre Dame to make it into the ACC championship and then the college football playoff, this might as well be like the play-in game at this point. So it's going to be tough. I honestly think this is Ian Book's biggest game of his life. I've obviously been the biggest Ian Book fan since we started this podcast. Just hope that he goes out and is able to succeed. You know, obviously Georgia was the last biggest game that he played in and uh, outside of the bowl game, the biggest regular season game he's played in. And it's going to be the same atmosphere, you know, the same playoff implications. And if he can go out and he can better his performance from that Georgia game and better his performance from the last time they played Clemson, like Brandon said, I don't see this team losing. Yeah. And let's talk about some other things. So right now the ACC, uh, the only two undefeated teams in the ACC are Clemson and Notre Dame. North Carolina lost again yesterday. They are very fraudulent. They lost to Virginia. The 1-4 and four Virginia Cavaliers got their second win of the season yesterday. And then Oklahoma State, they honestly controlled their own destiny to win the Big 12 and have a bid at the college football playoff. They ended up losing to Texas in overtime yesterday. But one thing I want to talk about is – the only other team that I really think has a realistic shot at playing in that ACC title game outside of Notre Dame is Miami. So Miami's remaining schedule is this Friday they play against NC State, which could be a very interesting matchup. NC State's looked pretty good so far this year. Miami plays against Virginia Tech the following week, Georgia Tech, Wake Forest, and then they close up the season against North Carolina. So like you guys said, if for whatever reason – Notre Dame does not come out victorious this weekend. They're going to need a little bit of help because this year it comes down to win percentage given the circumstance that not everyone is playing everyone and the conferences are kind of different this year. So that ups the stakes for this game. And I think it was Brian who tweeted it yesterday. If Boston College would have somehow found a way to win that game, we could have had this as a de facto elimination game for Clemson this week. So it sucks to see Boston College not close that game out. I also think Clemson's the type of team that would not lose two weeks in a row. But coming down the stretch, Philly Dracovic, our, our former quarterback here at Notre Dame, now at Boston College, had a very good opportunity to put the ball on, on the money. And his receiver was a couple feet away or a couple inches away. And he was streaking down the sideline. They could have taken the lead late in that game. But where do you feel as far as stuff that we can't control and just some of the things that happened this weekend across the college football landscape. Yeah, first of all, I want to say that North Carolina is not good. I mean, I agree with what you said. I even said it at the first podcast we had this year that I think they're a little bit overhyped. Most of it is because of what they've done on the recruiting trail. you got to wait a couple of years for that to hit the field. They're not good. Notre Dame's going to go into their place and kick their ass in about a month, I think. That's when that happens. But just wanted to say that for starters. I think Oklahoma. They have, they have no defense, bro. They have no defense. Yeah, I mean they're they're just not good. The talent they have a considerable talent drop off from not only 
obviously Clemson, but Notre Dame as well. They're not good. And I agree that they need Miami to they need help from Miami to lose another game because if Notre Dame were to lose Clemson this or next week, there's no guarantee they get to the ACC title if if Miami runs the table. And Notre Dame would have split against Clemson, and Trevor Lawrence would have been healthy in both games. I think they get into the CFP with one loss to Clemson because they also beat Clemson once. But now with Trevor Lawrence not playing next week. I think this just means Notre Dame has to beat them twice. They got to beat them next week and then also in the ACC title because if Notre Dame beats Clemson without Trevor Lawrence and then loses when they have Trevor Lawrence, people are just going to say that that win against Clemson is fraudulent and the only reason they won was because Trevor Lawrence was out. So I actually think Trevor Lawrence being out of the game really hurts Andy's chances of getting to the CFP because now they have to beat Clemson twice. However, if Clemson would have lost to BC, like you said, that would have meant that would have meant Notre Dame could have essentially knocked Clemson out of the CFP contention without Trevor Lawrence because if they have two losses, they're probably not getting to the CFP or to, to the ACC title. So, I mean, yes, Notre Dame obviously has a better chance to win next week with Trevor Lawrence out, and if Clemson were to fumble another game, Clemson's all of a sudden no chance of getting to the, to the ACC title and CFP. But I don't like that Trevor Lawrence is out because now I think Notre Dame just has to be. Clemson twice because I think that game what Clemson would have potentially lost was this weekend against BC and of course they shit the bed and couldn't score one damn point in the second half but whatever I I I mean that's what I said I think they got to beat Clemson twice now but I mean they should beat them next weekend without Trevor Lawrence and then from there you just got to control your own destiny and win out and hopefully Clemson loses again but yeah, I agree with that 100%, Brian. You pretty much nailed it. I think they have to beat them twice. If you can beat a team like Clemson twice, I mean, you can pretty much beat the powerhouse like Ohio State and any team that is coming out of the SEC. So I agree with that 100%. They need to go 1-0 this week. They need to go 1-0 against Boston College, two very good opponents back-to-back, and we just got to finish out the season and ride it out. Yeah, and honestly, Brian, I think you brought it up perfectly. Obviously, we wish nothing but the best of Trevor Lawrence, his family, and everything they're going through in this situation. But it just sucks that this it had to happen like this week. You know, every year someone looks for a certain narrative to discount the work that this Notre Dame team does. And it's like, we can't control that Trevor Lawrence isn't available to play next week. So why, you know, it's going to get held against us. But I just, I hate that, that shit. Like, bro, that... That stuff makes me so mad. And every year, something not necessarily something like this, of this magnitude, to discount what Notre Dame has done or will do. But I feel at the end of the day, like, a win's a win. And, and even if we do split, there is still, like, an outsider's chance. But there's just so much football left to be played across the board, especially in the Power Fives. Yeah, I think the only way Notre Dame gets in if they split with Clemson and their win was against when Trevor Lawrence was not healthy is if Ohio state were to lose a game and then maybe a one loss Notre Dame team gets in over a one loss Ohio state team. I think that's the only way, but I mean, now I'm thinking if they were to split with Trevor Lawrence, healthy, both games that they damn near might be a shoe in because so many teams are losing. But like you said, there's a lot of football left to be played. The fact that we had just passed Halloween weekend and we're already talking college football playoff is pretty crazy, but Agreed with you guys. There's so much left to be played. There's so much left to be decided. We just got to worry about ourselves. Go 1-0 and each week. Yeah, that's, you know, control what's in front of us. And we got the matchup of this. I'm not going to say the century, but definitely the matchup of the year ahead of us. 
They went out and took care of business against Georgia Tech. They ended up winning the game 31-13. to Some good takeaways, obviously. The defense balled out again. The offense left definitely left some points on the table. Uh, they did give up a scoop and score. Obviously need to make sure that Kyron Williams holds on to the football going into this game. And Ian Book, I mean, like you guys stated, you know, when I asked you, this is the biggest game of his career. He has the opportunity to rewrite the narrative and control all of these people that, uh, honestly, like, I'm so glad he's probably not on social and all these things because Notre Dame fans are so terrible when it comes to Ian Book. It's like the guy is one of the most winning quarterbacks in the program's history, and he doesn't he, he doesn't turn the ball over like Brian said, and he finds a way to just make plays. So, yeah, he's not Joe Montana. He's not Brady Quinn. He's Ian Book, and he's, one, like we said, one of the most winning quarterbacks that we've had here at Notre Dame. Who do you guys have as your players in the game from this past week, and then we'll wrap up and get ready for Clemson week? Uh, yeah, before that, I want to just say every time um, somebody says Phil Yurkovich would be better or Notre Dame would be better suited with Phil Yurkovich, I, I cringe. And it's slander that I will not tolerate on the Irish on tap Twitter account because it's bullshit. And if Yurkovich was better in practice last year, he would have played. So people like saying that Notre Dame fans need to shut up. And um, player of the game, I'm going to go with defensively. I don't know. I, I would probably go with Kyle Hamilton, but obviously Dalen Hayes got the player of the game from from Brian Kelly. But Kyle Hamilton was just all over the damn field. Offensively, uh, it's kind of tough because I would like to give it to Kyron Williams, but he also did kind of let a scoop and score touchdown go. Um, I'm just going to give it to the O-line. I think they really dominated at the point of attack against Georgia Tech. And I think, obviously, I mean, Notre Dame didn't need to open up the playbook because their whole line was just generated a ridiculous push on every single play. Yeah, I'm going to ride with the defensive player of the game as well with Dalen Hayes. I think that he, uh, obviously, getting the turnover is huge. Jeremiah Wosukoromoa deserves it every week. But, you know, what? we got to spread the wealth a little bit. Uh, so Dalen Hayes, I'm going with him as the defensive pick. I think for the uh, for the big catch there, I'm going to go with Javon McKinley for the offense player of the game pick. I think obviously we got to incorporate that pass game a little bit more, and it wasn't pretty. But I thought that, like you said, Brian, that was a hell of a play by Book to get out of it and find him down the field, and for McKinley to make a play out of it. I think that that was probably the biggest play out of a receiver so far this season, maybe outside of Ben Skoranek's catches, but really just a way to jumpstart the offense. We need that this week. We need that going into Clemson. I know we'll go more in depth with it on the preview episode, but those two guys are my players of the game and two guys that will step up this Saturday as well. Yeah, and for me, it's going to kickstart Ian Book week. I'm giving the player of the game to Ian Book, and it's for some of the things that you guys talked about earlier in the podcast. It may not have been the flashiest game. It definitely wasn't the best game as far as looking at the box score, but he did finish with 245 yards of total offense, a touchdown, was running the ball all over the field, and was doing some of the things that we know we're going to need to see next week against that Clemson pass rush, where he's going to have to extend plays and find a guy like Ben Skoranek or Javon McKinley streaking down the sideline to make that play and finish in the end zone. So I feel like some of the things that may not show up on the box score or on the stat sheet are why he's my player of the game. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I'm going with Brian Kelly and I'm going with Ethan. I mean, Dalen Hayes, I think, is firing on all cylinders. And going into a game like this where you know Clemson is going to be heavy read option and, and trying to read the defensive ends, they are going to have their work cut out for them this weekend. I could not be happier to see Dalen Hayes playing the way he is at this point of the season. Do you guys have any wrap-up thoughts before we wrap up this episode? 
I do not go Irish. It's Clemson week. It's good to be a Notre Dame fan. I just wanted to say that, you know, it's totally unfortunate that Trevor Lawrence can't play in this game. You know, obviously, a lot of people are going through this COVID stuff. Uh, you know, personally, I, I've been affected by it, you know, with a family member. And really, you know, just you hope that he recovers well. And he's a hell of an athlete. And you really hope that something like this doesn't diminish uh, a career in the NFL that he has. Because regardless of who he's going to play for, he's going to be a hell of a quarterback going forward. And you really hope that it's someone like that at a young age doesn't get affected by this. And really just, you know, thoughts and prayers out to him and his family. And, and uh, it's unfortunate that we can't see the the Trevor Lawrence-Ian Book matchup on Saturday, but you hope that he recovers well. Yeah, and I don't think you could have put it any more perfect than that. I mean, obviously, we wish him the best throughout this entire scenario. One of the, I guess you would say, just best people in college football. I mean, the guy is always involved in the community, always trying to give back, and he's not even rich and famous off this yet. So, well, he's famous. He's definitely famous. He's like the he's like. He's like the Aaron Rodgers to Bears fans, man. Like, if, if I wasn't a Bears fan, like, and Aaron Rodgers still is, like, the best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. But just if I wasn't a Bears fan and he didn't destroy us all the time, I'd be such a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. And the same goes for Trevor Lawrence, too. If he didn't destroy Notre Dame in the college football playoff, I mean, he's one of the best quarterbacks in, in college football. So Hard not to like. We really wish him nothing but the best. And it is unfortunate we won't get to see – uh, the full matchup that everyone was expecting, but th- that's the uh, the scenario that 2020 has dealt us. We're just happy to have college football. We are more than excited to be 6-0, number four team in the nation going into this matchup. You can follow us on Twitter, at OntapIrish, and then you can follow uh, my co-host and myself. Brian can be found at Brian Mishler. Ethan can be found at Ethan underscore Wiles. I can be found at Beatdown 300. And then all of our podcasts, we cover everything. Chicago can be found at ONTAP Sportsnet. We got nothing else for you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Get ready for Clemson Week and go Irish.